episode number 71. Welcome to the Getting Unstuck podcast, where you'll laugh, empathize, and learn how to turn your stuck spots into sources for energy and positive change. And now your host, the creator of the Stuck Method, Shira Taylor-Gura. Hello, my dear listeners, and thank you for joining me today. So if you've been following the podcast, you probably know that we celebrated the bar mitzvah of my oldest son this past weekend in our home community in Israel, after having celebrated in the United States just a few weeks before. It was an incredible weekend, which I'll share more about in a minute, and where I got stuck along the way during the preparations. But before I do, I just want to make a quick announcement that the next Getting Unstuck retreat will be taking place Sunday, October 21st through Tuesday, October 23rd in Northern Israel. Space is limited, so if you are interested to learn more details, email me as soon as possible. If you do live in Israel, I do hope that you consider joining me. So, okay, what happened last week? Actually, the story I am about to share goes hand in hand with where I am right now with my business. So make sure you listen to the end if you are interested in learning a way to work with me. Okay, well, I was in a state of complete overwhelm, and this is why. So we celebrated my son's bar mitzvah in New Jersey a few weeks ago. I had spent months preparing my son, and that in and of itself was a lot of work. But the truth of the matter is, there wasn't really much else for me to do in the days leading up to the celebration in New Jersey. My mom had pretty much organized the event. She hired the caterer and chose the menu for the lunch following the service, The event took place in the synagogue where I grew up, so there was no need to hire clergy or find a venue for the celebration. There was also no need to ask friends or family to set up the tables or break down the room after the event, because all of that is included in the cost of renting the hall and the caterer. So pretty much I arrived as a guest, which really allowed me to enjoy every moment of the affair for which I am super grateful. The experience in Israel couldn't have been farther from the event in America if I could have tried. So while we do have a synagogue on our kibbutz, we don't have paid clergy. Our services are lay-led, so one of the things I had to do was decide who was going to lead each of the services, which, by the way, We started celebrating on Thursday morning and continued through Saturday. I was in charge of buying all the disposables, the plates, the forks, the knives, the cups, all of that. We decided to invite all of my son's friends for Friday night dinner, which thankfully we did potluck style to make things easier on me. But still, I had to arrange all of that and set up the house for it and clean up afterwards. I was in charge of buying the juice, the wine, and much of the finger food for the Kiddush, which is the small celebration that we had immediately following the services on Saturday morning. 
The luncheon that followed that was for the entire community, which is about, I don't know, maybe 150 to 200 people came to celebrate with us. And there's no RSVP. So I had to like approximate how many people would be coming and purchase all of the disposables and all of the food accordingly. I had to choose what kind of meal it would be and what would I order and what would I ask members of the community to help contribute. I have a good friend who helped me organize all of this and she made an Excel doc that was sent around where community members filled in what they would be contributing from cakes to vegetable platters to tuna and egg salad. I had to order the bagels, which by the way, bagels don't really exist in Israel. So I had to order them from a city about like an hour away. And I had to find someone who would be in that area and that could bring them to us on Friday, the day before the lunch. I was in charge of buying decorations in order to decorate the very plain hall. And in addition to this, I had to set up the room, including 20 heavy round tables and about 200 chairs. And I had to make the centerpieces for the tables. Anyway, as the weekend was approaching, I started to feel really anxious because there were just so many details. I don't even think I shared with you everything that was on my list. It was just like really ridiculous, like three days worth of activities and planning and purchasing. Thankfully, a very good friend of mine stepped up to the plate to basically be the event coordinator. But still, I felt like I was the one who had to make sure that everything was bought and everything was brought up and nothing fell between the cracks. And what basically tipped me over was that I was also in charge of organizing the Torah readings on Saturday morning. Traditionally, one part of the Torah is read in the synagogue every Shabbat, every Sabbath. And reading from the Torah is not easy. First of all, the language is like ancient Hebrew, not modern. So even if you speak Hebrew, it's still very difficult to read and understand the Torah. Secondly, when you read from the actual Torah scroll, you'll see there are no vowels, no punctuations, no symbols to tell you even how to chant the Torah. And, and so it's really not an easy task. And finding people who know how to read it is not always easy. And I guess I was unconsciously counting on the Torah parts that I would need to read and that my husband was going to read and that my daughter was going to read. Um, we're going to be short enough for us to learn relatively quickly. And yet when I looked at it about a week before the bar mitzvah, I realized that they were longer than I had anticipated. And I showed my daughter her part and like she was not happy with me. <laughs> and she told me how much pressure she was under with school starting in a few days and how she already had a math test coming up. And she also had to prepare a book report. She basically told me she had no time to learn this Torah reading. And hearing that made me feel even more overwhelmed because I didn't want to give that part to somebody else in the community. I wanted all the parts to be done by my family. And I had already divvied up the parts to my son and to me and to my husband. So in short, it was just a few days before the event and I still had this one part that I had to give to somebody. And I was freaking out because I knew I couldn't add one more thing to my plate. I was totally maxed out. So I started crying. 
which is usually what happens when I feel overwhelmed. And my husband was like, just ask someone from the community to take it. And I was like, no, don't you understand? This is our family's event. This is not supposed to happen like this. This is not right. And he looked at me like I was stuck, which actually sometimes is really great. He didn't have to say a word. He just looked at me with raised eyebrows. And what's awesome about that sometimes is that his silence really helps me realize when I'm stuck. His silence makes me think twice with whatever it was that I had just said. And that's exactly what I did. I thought twice about what I had just said to him, and it made me realize how stuck I was on something so ridiculously not important. So I got myself unstuck. S. I took a stop. I closed my eyes, and I took a breath. T. I told myself I was stuck on overwhelm, and I allowed myself to just feel that. I gave myself permission to feel overwhelmed, and in doing so, my shoulders, they like dropped like three inches. (laughs) Seriously, I was carrying such unnecessary weight on my shoulders. So what did I, you, uncover? I uncovered that I believed that only family members of an event like this should be the ones taking part in the service. And then I asked myself, Shira, is that totally true? And of course, no, it wasn't. I said to myself that I believed it would look bad if people outside of the family would be partaking in the service. Is that true? No, of course not. I told myself I believed I was irresponsible for not having had everyone totally prepared for this event. Whoa, that's kind of like a heavy belief. And I asked myself, Shira, are you or were you irresponsible? And I answered, no, I had just prepared a bar mitzvah like a few weeks before where my daughter read two parts and I read five. I was totally responsible. It's just doing this whole thing back to back. It's a lot of work, a lot. I also uncovered that I believed things had to go as I had planned. That was probably my strongest belief, but that too, I realized that was just a faulty belief. That's not true. When do things always go as planned? And why do they have to, right? So I considered it could be really nice, actually, if I invite someone from the community to take that last part. I considered someone in my community would see it as a complete honor to take that part. And I considered that I really could just ask for help and that asking for help isn't a bad thing and that asking for help doesn't make me any less of a person or any less of a mom or any less of a community member. And I considered it's good to ask for help once in a while because it shows your humanity to others. It really makes you appear real right? And not living in like fake book land. So as I sat there at the kitchen table with my husband with tears in my eyes, I wrote a message to the group of friends who were helping me put this event together. It went something like this. My dear friends, 
I am feeling totally overwhelmed. There are only a few days before the bar mitzvah and I have one last Torah reading available. I'm too overwhelmed to learn it myself. Is there any chance any of you would like to take it? And the next time that I picked up my phone to check my messages, I saw that one of my friends answered in the affirmative. And she wrote, it would be her complete honor to take this part for my family's celebration. Unbelievable, right? Like, it's just amazing how our minds work, how our minds get in the way of things, how our minds have the tendency to innocently work against us. That's what my coach, Brooke, says so wisely. And, you know, we really need to watch our minds because if we don't watch our minds and we don't learn to manage them, our minds are going to manage us. And so I got myself unstuck. And before I moved on, I, K, reminded myself, it's okay. I held myself in a place of self-compassion for having gotten stuck in the first place. So what about you? Where in your life do you feel like you are doing everything and you may be able to consider asking for help? Maybe it's something at work. Maybe it's something in the home. You know what? In fact, last night I came home to a full sink of dishes after running around and schlepping my kids all over the place. And I reminded myself that not only could I ask my kids for help with their dishes, I reminded myself that they ought to be helping out more at this age anyway. So even something like that, you know, asking for someone that you live with for help. It can make a huge shift in how you're living your life, let's say, just in the house. I mean, I'm used to doing a lot of the chores in the house because I was the one who stayed home and raised my babies, right? So I got used to basically doing everything. But it doesn't mean just because I'm used to doing everything that I have to maintain that pattern, right? I can consider asking for help and delegating. So perhaps consider this message this week and see where considering asking for help may help to get you a bit unstuck in your life. So for the past two years, as I've been developing this work with getting unstuck, I've basically been doing everything myself, right? The creation of my website, all of the social media, the administrative work, this podcast, the editing of this podcast, the accounting, everything, right? And I've come to realize that I need to start asking for help. I can't continue doing all of this if I want to continue expanding this movement, which includes, by the way, in the coming year, a new and exciting product that I'm in the midst of creating, another book, launching the Stuck Coaching Certification Program, and starting to do research on my method. Like, that's a lot of stuff, and I just don't have enough hours in the day, especially since I'm still mothering four kids, and I'm the primary caretaker every afternoon. So if you are a member of my free community on Facebook, the Getting Unstuck group, you will see that I posted yesterday that I'm looking to hire the first person on my team, which will be a virtual assistant. 
I won't share any more details here, but if you are interested, please head over to the group to learn more. Okay, my dear friends, that is all for today. I wish you a great rest of your day. And as always, I look forward to getting unstuck with you. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Getting Unstuck podcast. For more information on programs, workshops, and retreats, check out our website, www.thestuckmethod.com. Thank you.